The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Are we are we there? I think we're here. We're it's here. been a little while. Uh, this is Deb Tomorrow. I know I have to get like get back in the swing of things. So this is Deb Tomorrow, and you're listening to Real Real Estate today. Uh, and I am joined today by the lovely Rachel, associate producer, voice of an no, I was gonna say voice of an angel. We'll see today, <laughs> won't we? I'll try. Face of an angel. Um, voice of a sailor, mouth of a, mouth of a mouth sailor. Of a sailor. Gosh, I could I am, talk like Popeye. I am so on vacation brain. So we were not here last week, but you didn't know it because we tricked you. Uh, and we pre-recorded a show and we had great fun doing it. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that show, especially the beginning, because we kept giggling because we thought we were all smart because we kept saying things like it's mid-September and it was really like mid-August when we were doing it. And then we giggle and we were doing it on a Monday and we were like, and it's can't believe it's Tuesday already. And then we'd laugh and yeah, we thought we were pretty smart, but now I'm letting the cat out of the bag. So usually joined by Karen Rassel, sending out our love to her. She's got some things going on today. So Rachel is sitting in so that I'm not talking to a blank wall because I think that would be pretty boring. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you, Deb. So she is going to be multitasking. We're going to go easy on her today and uh, and discuss and give me some input and feedback. But she's also going to be posting on our social media. She does a lot of that during the show for me. Um, and uh, she uh, some some of the Facebook posts you see out there are hers. Some of them are mine. You can't really tell because she's that good at what she does. And she posted something this afternoon that I loved was the strange city names. Yes, that was, it was a good one. It was the top, like the strange city name for each state except that we have some disappointment when it comes to indiana i know because they chose santa claus indiana Out of as all the strangest name and i have to say where's floyd's knobs hey because that's much a city. better than santa claus that's a city in indiana floyd's knobs i wonder who this handsome eddie is is there where's the that east coast okay I haven't had a chance to Booger look at all. Booger Hole is in uh, a Virginia. It looks like a West Virginia. Uh-huh. Excellent. Boring, uh, Oregon. That's good. Beer Bottle Crossing, Idaho. Chugwater. What's that square state? I'm going to say that's uh, Next Colorado. To Idaho. No, yeah. that's not Colorado. What's that's above Idaho, Colorado? Right? Wow. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> It's great. So anyways, that was my that's my plug for you to go on to check out my Facebook page. Just search for Deb Tomorrow Realtor because it's awesome. Uh, and we're also on Twitter. Um, and I don't know, Rachel, are you Snapchatting yet? Hell no. Do you know what Snapchat is? Yes, I do. Okay, so tell me. I, well, it's, it's the land where basically texts don't live on. 
um, I think you send a message and it only it's only available to the recipient for a certain amount of time and then it disappears. Poof. What's confusing me though is that I'm seeing Snapchat appear on Facebook, so then that sort of defeats the whole purpose of right. it not. Yeah. If you're cross-posting, okay. yeah. you're kind of shooting yourself. Okay, so I'm there. still confused. Excellent. Well, as I said before, um, I was out of town last week. Most of you don't know that because I try not to make it too obnoxious or obvious because I don't want my house to get robbed. If you've listened to our previous shows, we've talked about how to you know, prepare your house and mm-hmm. make sure that um, the ashes of your dead father don't get stolen while you're on a cruise. We'll have to lie. That was a previous episode. You'll have to listen to all 26 previous episodes to figure out which one that was, but that was a good one. Um so, but I am still a little bit on vacation brain. So here was a story I was telling Rachel earlier was that I had a client yesterday and she, we were trying to schedule a listing appointment. And so I was looking at my calendar and trying to figure out what times I had available on Thursday and Friday. And I had a, something on my calendar. It just said Walnut Street at noon on Friday. Walnut Street is five miles long, cuts right through the middle of our city of Bloomington here in Indiana. It's the main drag. So somewhere I was supposed to be somewhere on that five mile stretch of Walnut Street at noon on Friday, I had no idea, could not conjure it up for the life of me. And I thought, I'm just going to have to roll down the car window and just start cruising up and down Walnut Street and saying, hey, I'm here. Who needs me? Which I then thought was a pretty good marketing idea. I could just drive around neighborhoods and be like, hey, right. anybody need a realtor? You seem friendly. <laughs> yeah, you know, waving and whatever. Uh, I finally figured out it was actually a closing that I had of a property that I'm selling on Walnut Street. Mm. I kind of forgot about. <laughs> so um, bear with me today. That's kind of how my brain is working, and we may ramble a little bit. Um, I had another thing that occurred to me while I was on vacation that um, – I think is really interesting, but as I was sort of writing out my outline in my notes, I thought, oh, this is really boring, but I didn't really have time today to come up with anything better. So this is what I have for the opening segment is I always laugh at, at myself and at, at Eurus when we travel, um, we love to travel and go places. And, and a lot of times we like to take tours, um, whether it's, you know, Caribbean Island and we, you know, van tour or whatever, just kind of check things out. But I'm always like asking really weird, obscure questions about like, do you have sewer systems? Do you have septic systems? Where does the poop go? You know, like things like that fascinate me. And, sure. and are, are you on a crawl space or how is the house anchored down? And where does the water come from? You know, stuff like that. And there, most people are, you know, asking more questions about the culture or the history or whatever. And I'm like, I want to know where your electricity comes from. Whatever. Crazy stuff like that. And so I had noticed we were up in Maine last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we go there every year. And, and I sound like I'm like, we went in Baja Harbor eating lobster. I was eating grilled cheese sandwiches because I don't like seafood. Um, I don't like pulling things apart that were in an animal type mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. But grilled cheese I'm completely happy with. Um, but uh, I've noticed, do you know this? Houses in Maine don't have gutters. I did not know that. Houses in Maine don't have gutters. Why don't they have gutters? Yeah, so I had to like dig into that yeah. a little bit. And our initial thought, I remember we noticed this the first time about maybe four years ago when we were uh, in visiting Green Greenville. We were looking for uh, moose. Mm. They live inland in Maine. And so we were hunting, not hunting, but... <laughs> seeking. Seeking Seeking moose. Seeking moose. Me- there you go. And that's what, I don't know why, but also when we were looking at houses, we are like, why didn't none of these houses have gutters? Sure. And we figured it was the snow load because the snow... And that heavy yeah. snow just does more damage than good. Right. So it's, but I also think, so I was doing some more research. If you look at our phones after we do a, tri- a trip, there's always like Google searches, like, why don't houses in Maine have gutters? Because <laughs> we're always like, I wonder. And then we like Google it and try and figure it out. Um, but I also think that it has something to do with the ground. 
Okay. Which is kind of interesting um, to think about because I found this. This is where it gets really boring. Okay. Hang in there. Uh, International Residential Code, Building Code, 2006, uh, Chapter 8, Roof Ceiling Construction, Section R801, R801.3, Roof Drainage. Mm, Sounds official, I'm right? I'm getting excited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In areas where expansive and collapsible soils are known to exist, all dwellings shall have controlled method of water disposal from the roofs, yada, yada, yada. Basically, what this is saying is that the soil type ah. can determine whether gutters are really required. So it's more than just like you could think in the Southwest where there's not much rain, gutters right. maybe not so necessary. Yeah. Um, and that's part of it. But I also found it fascinating. I have an issue, I guess. No, I think I am. I'm intrigued. Because think about it. Here in, in Bloomington, where we are, a lot of caves. Right. And we have this karst type of soil, mm-hmm. which I don't really understand what that is because I'm not a geologist. But um, the way our ground absorbs the water creates a lot of foundation issues. Mm-hmm. But in Maine, it's just a big, giant chunk of granite. So it doesn't absorb, right? The water just kind of runs away. It doesn't absorb okay. down and like All right. push okay. in on the foundation walls. As See what I'm saying? I, I do. Yeah. I do. So then it got me thinking like, well, so there are construction differences in other parts of the country too. Sure. And my point to this whole thing was to encourage people, like if you're moving to a different part of the country, it's just get another reason why you need to have some good professionals in your court helping you understand those things. Because I think if I were to buy a house in Maine, I would be like, where the hell are the gutters? Get me some gutters. Yeah, I'd be like, inspection <laughs> item, ding, I need gutters. Yeah. And they'd be like, no, you're crazy, you don't want them. And then I'd be like, yes, I do want them because it rains in Maine. Yeah. I had some rain last week. Um, and and then come, like, I'd so I'd buy a house, I'd make them put gutters on it. Right. And then in December, I'd be like, what the heck? Your gutters would be hanging right. off your house. Right. So then that got me thinking, too, like, okay, well, here's another one. My parents live in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Why don't houses in Houston have basements? I have no idea. See? But I have an article for that. Uh, and there's actually a couple of reasons. One, I kind of assumed Houston's pretty wet. It's kind of like New Orleans. And so there's water table issues, so you can't sure. go that deep. Um, but there was also an explanation um, about the kind of soil that the it's a clay foundation. It's less stable. Ah. Um, and so when you dig a foundation that's 8 to 10 feet deep, then that creates issues. And then there's a cost efficiency as well that it's not necessary because – up here, where it freezes in the winter, you have to run your water pipes a certain um, depth below the soil right. to keep them from freezing. Right. But you don't have that issue in Houston, so you don't have to have anything less than a few inches of slab. Wow. But what's interesting is that they have irrigation systems for their slabs. Because of the, and I know this from my parents, um, because of the clay in the soil, if it gets really dry, then... Um, this expansion and contraction has a significant effect on the foundation. It's important to kind of try and keep the ground around the foundation a similar moisture so it doesn't expand and contract drastically and sure. crack the slab foundation. So just like you don't want too much water, you don't want it to be too dry either. Right, right. So again, if I were moving to Houston, I don't know that I would think about, do I have an irrigation system for my foundation? Right. Um, or where do you put the pool table? Yeah, Right. Do they have attics in Houston? They do have attics because I know at my parents' house, that's where the um, a- furnace and AC are up in the attic. Wow. Which is kind of odd, too. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a few around here I like that, but sense. typically. You don't have a basement. Yeah. Where so they, I, one of the articles I was reading said that in Houston, a lot of times that rec room that in Indiana we think of as the basement, that a lot right. of us use as the basement, is like an 
upstairs, like over the garage bonus room kind of thing. Ah. But again, important and kind of interesting to understand those differences about how just the geology of, you know, the earth can impact. Sure. How you build a house. Absolutely. There you go. We're all a little bit smarter now, right? Yep. Go impress people at your next party with International Residential Code 801.3. We'll be sure to post lots of links to that on a regular basis so that we all sound really smart. Um, I was going to talk about Chip and Joanna, but... Uh, We're going to have to take a break. Yeah, we'll have to take a break and maybe talk about that when we come back. So we will go ahead and take our first break and come back in just a few minutes. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today with Deb Tomorrow. Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back to those of you we haven't lost discussing residential building code 801.3 roof drainage but it was so exciting it was so exciting and i'm telling you you're going to be the talk of the next party if you okay i'm going to focus um i had one other thing i want to talk about you usually in the first segment i kind of talk about whatever the heck i want to and then i get on to topic eventually which i haven't even told you what today's topic is but hey not yet we'll get um, there it's a cliffhanger exactly but usually i discuss this with karen because she's a big fan of the show fixer upper do you ever watch fixer upper i do you do yes i do okay so coming back from Maine last week, we were on a plane, uh, and 
I love Southwest. This is a huge plug for Southwest. Mm. Hey, give me free airline tickets, Southwest, <laughs> right? Love Southwest because most of the flights have that free Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, except I one last month did not. And I was like, what the hell? I got my iPad out. I was ready to go. I had my earbuds in. And then no free Wi-Fi. I was like, let down. I have to do iPad jigsaw puzzles for the next two hours. But anyways, um, and so they were, it was a fixer upper marathon. So I had to like text Karen right before the flight took off. Sure. And I was like, fixer upper marathon. She goes, I know I'm watching. Okay. So I got to see most of three episodes. Okay. One of which shows Joanna and the children and everyone in her kitchen in her house. And did you know that every single wall is shiplap? Get out. But not just that, but her table is shiplap too. I kind of got a little like shiplap eye cross thing yeah. going on, you know? It was a little, I thought it was a little much, Joanna. Well, I mean, I thought shiplap was like a lovely thing for an accent wall. There you go. Didn't know we were covering everything. In everything. It. Everything. I mean, I think the benches for her lovely farm table were shiplap. Oh, and Joanna. The whole thing. I was like, Joanna, I think that's Joanna. too much. But I had another question. So maybe since you watch Fixer Upper, because really I've seen about maybe five episodes of okay. Fixer Upper in my lifetime. But on this flight, I watched three, most mm-hmm. of three episodes, and two of them. Chip strips down and jumps into bodies of water. He does that. Is that a typical thing? Oh, yeah. Him taking his shirt off, showing belly or whatever. He's, uh, okay. He's He's an exhibitionist. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Well, I just thought it was (laughs) odd that it was like two out of the three. No, that's totally He's like jumping into whether it was a pool or there was a river and whatever. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Okay. Rebel. Rebel attitude. There you go. That crazy chip. Uh Okay. Well, Call me. Um, last week on our show, which was really a month ago, but it was last week, we talked about, oh, crap, I just got an accepted offer on a house. Now what? Do you remember that? Yep. And that was from the buyer's perspective. So I thought today we would talk about it from the seller's perspective a little bit. So this should be interesting to you, Rachel, because mm-hmm. you've never sold a house before, right? I have not so thought, about you, it. <laughs> thought about it a <laughs> lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, a lot of times uh, you get so focused on getting the offer and then it's like, ah, now what? And you, you don't know because you've gone at it from the other side, from the buyer's side. Um, and the one thing I always tell people is that sometimes it's going to seem like nothing's happening because uh, it, it's not quite quite as action-packed for the sellers. Mm-hmm. You're not really, I mean, there's inspections, but you're not, you know, involved in them. You're not talking to your lender every other day. You're not gathering your tax, you know, tax forms and st- things like that to give to your lender. Um, unless you don't have a place to go, if you're scrambling to find a place to live, then you may have a feeling of sheer panic. So my number one thing that you need to do if you're a seller once you have an accepted offer is figure out where the heck you're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the second you have that accepted offer, I had a lady two weeks ago, this was right before I left town, uh, she contacted me about needing a place to go. It was a rental or whatever, which was really tricky because this time of year, because we're a college town, most of our lease cycles go July and August. Um, and so if you're on an off time, you don't have a very big choice of, of rentals. We don't have a lot of giant apartment complexes that always have vacancies and things like that. She contacted me on September 9th and she needed a place by the 17th. Yay! And she had a dog. And that I was makes me like, nervous. I know. It's not even me. I was just like, I don't know what to tell you, you know. And I'm, th- I'm like, like, I got a client. They're buying a house, but they're not closing. You know, it's going to be an investment. It's empty. We, you know, I'm trying to like uh-huh. put something crazy together because I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, so you certainly want to consider avoiding signing a lease. I think until you're a little bit further in the process, right? Because um, I've seen some sellers get burnt by that. That mm-hmm. if they're decided, oh, I'm going to build a house, so I just need to lease a place for a year, um, you know, or they just haven't found the perfect house or whatever. 
but they sign a lease and then the deal falls through at the last minute. They're on the hook for a lease and that kind of stinks. So you want to kind of avoid signing that lease if, until most of the contingencies are met. But you certainly want to start looking and have something lined yeah. up. Because that... Ugh. Have a plan B. Maybe even a plan C. Good idea. You know? Yeah, Doesn't for sure. It, it just, oh gosh, that stresses me out mm-hmm. from the from the agent side of things. I'm always... That's my first question out of my mouth at any listing appointment. Where are you going? <laughs> Do you have a place? What's your plan? Like before we talk about yeah. what needs to be painted or what needs to be cleaned right. or anything, what's your plan? Do you have a van? Yeah. Yeah. Down by the river, right. whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's number one. That's the first thing you want to do when you, your agent calls you and says, hey, congratulations, we've got an acceptor offer on the house. Go find a place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is that there are many milestones along the way that your realtor is going to be keeping track of. Um, and some sometimes they'll communicate those things with you. Sometimes they'll just kind of is, is happening. And, you know, if you trust them, all is good. Then they're not going to pester you with every little detail. But one of the first things, a milestone that I look for uh, when I have a seller is the earnest money. So once the offer has been accepted, mm-hmm. then the buyer's agent has a certain amount of time to get that earnest money to me or to my, list, to my brokerage. Um, and so if that doesn't happen, then certainly, within that timeline you want to start to ask some questions or be concerned and there is a timeline like you obviously hopefully the agent and the seller will know when that earnest money should be coming it's in in. the contract okay yeah so like ours is basically state law that says you have to have it within two banking days and i'm sure different states have different laws it is so So i mean really the buyer's agent should have that in their hand when they're writing the offer so that once the offer is accepted they can immediately go and deliver that um, so if you don't, like I said, if you don't see that, then that is, um, uh, a, a, a sign right? <laughs> that things might not be going well. Now, certainly if you don't get it, it takes three or four days or something like that. Um, you know, you have the right to kind of work through a, a termination, you know, if sure. something's not right. But, and I certainly don't recommend that, but it would make me as the seller and as the seller's agent, a little more cautious through mm-hmm. the rest of the process mm-hmm. about how much are they going to be on top of things and you know how smoothly is this going to go. Um, the next milestone uh, that you're going to see as a seller that you don't have anything to do with, but you kind of want to know that it's happening, is the buyer applying for financing. And again, that's typically something that's written into the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually say within three days of the offer being accepted, my buyer will be apl- formally applying for financing. So they've gotten with their lender, signed all their disclosures and everything. I have gotten deals killed because the buyer wasn't acting in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we've kind of used that as an out. Like, okay, we're two weeks into the process. And you keep postponing your lender appointments and you're kind of in violation of the contract mm-hmm. of what we agreed to. Now, I usually use three days as kind of my default. Different agents are going to use it probably a different number. Um, so that's something to kind of be aware of. And again, I don't typically communicate that regularly with my seller. Um, but if you know the seller, if we have a conversation about how is the timeline going, you know, yeah, right. they're doing the things they need to do kind of thing. Um, so that's, uh, that's the next milestone. Uh, you just don't want the buyer dragging their feet on that at all. The next thing is the inspection. And that is something that you're going to kind of be involved in. And I think this next chunk of the show, and at some point I'm hoping to kind of pull out some chunks of the show and sort of make little like YouTube videos or something where people can just listen to portions. I mean, listen to the whole show because it's fabulous, Absolutely. right? But sometimes you just want to be like, what does Deb have to say about 
sellers preparing for inspections. Mm -hmm. This chunk, I think, is a gem. I really think this is good information. Um, And so listen up because this is good stuff. Um, So an inspection, uh, you know, they're going to schedule that. They're going to schedule that pretty quickly. There's a timeline involved in the offer where they typically, uh, in our area, it's going to be somewhere around 14 or 15 days to get the whole inspection process completed, which is calling the home inspector, getting it scheduled, um, having the inspection done, which takes three to four hours, getting the inspection report back, which takes a day or two, reviewing the inspection report, making any requests or anything like that that you need to. And that's a whole other show, which I think we've probably already done. But um, the... It's a, it's a process. And so I was going online and, you know, just looking for some resources out there so we could, you know, post some links. Um, and some of the lists are like, what you need to do to prepare for an inspection. I'm like, oh, man, you can't do that stuff in like three or four or five days. Yeah. You need to be doing this stuff the day that you decide to sell your house. I was going to say, probably yeah. months sometimes. So obviously, I don't know, Rachel, do you know how I feel about pre-listing inspections? Yes, how, I'm pretty how fond it? of them. I'm pretty, fond, pretty of them. fond of them. Still can't get any sellers to do them. What? I know, someday. People are scared. Someday. I know, it's like rip the Band-Aid off and just yeah, face it. Just, get, just to, face just it. get to know your house. So, obviously, I think that everyone should do pre-listing inspections. But if you don't, we're going to share some really great lists on Facebook of some things that you should do to prepare for inspection. And we're going to go over those um, lists as well here on the show a little bit. There's some things that you need to do way in advance. And then there's some things you can do just right before. Um, and one of the things you can do way in advance is to look at your inspection report from when you bought the house. Mm. Hopefully you still have that mm-hmm. if you haven't. Um, if you've bought a house and you have it somewhere, go find that mm-hmm. and put it somewhere, scan it, mm-hmm. save it in a little email file or something like that so you can find it really easily because it's a super useful tool. Now, I have clients who say, well, I had, you know, I bought the house four years ago and I had it inspected then, so everything should be fine. <laughs> Stuff changes. That's funny. Right? Yeah, Rachel, <laughs> love, you can tell that, right? I love the optimism. You I know. know. I really do. It's but fine. Let's get real here, Right, people. exactly, yeah. exactly. So um, that certainly is a great starting point um, to look at that, and I certainly love to sit down with my clients and look at that list and go over it and um, see if there's some things that maybe weren't a big deal to them or that the home inspector said, hey, you need to monitor that, and if mm-hmm. it's been a few years, we need to go back and monitor that. So that certainly is great as well. I think before I get into the next chunk of gold, here on inspection prep we'll go ahead and take a break and then uh, I don't want to be interrupted in the middle of it with these pesky breaks so um, stick around we're going to come back and talk about preparing for inspections from the seller perspective a little bit more Uh, this is real real estate today I'm Deb tomorrow stick around streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. 
Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com Now, back to this week's program. Thanks for coming back. This week we are talking about, um, oh crap, I just got an accepted offer on our house. Now what? From the seller perspective. So what happens once you have the accepted offer? We're in the middle of talking about preparing for the home inspection, which I think is probably the most stressful. People think waiting for the offer is the most stressful, but then once they have to wait for the inspection, Mm -hmm. that ends Mm -hmm. up being the most stressful. It just feels like this unknown. Again, a pre-listing inspection is a good way to help decrease that stress, but you know, no one wants to listen to me. That's fine. So we're going to put up a couple of links. One is um, uh, how sellers can prepare for a, a home inspection, but it's really something you need to start. This is a bigger picture. This is what you need to start doing when you have um, when you know you're going to list your house. Don't wait for you to have an accepted offer because you're going to have three or four days to prepare for that home inspection. Um, you don't have that kind of time. It's things like house ex- on the house exterior, removing the soil or mulch from contact with the siding. There should be six or uh, more inches of clearance around here. The slope away from the house is a huge deal. Getting in that crawl space, Mm -hmm. making sure that it's dry, that the the downspouts are working, that the sump pump's working, um, that uh, tree limbs are trimmed off of the house, that there's no peeling paint. um, Anything like that is really important from the exterior. From the interior, having the HVAC uh, serviced, uh, one of the things... I swear I'm going to start a coffee table book about how to improperly install furnace filters. Really? Oh, my gosh. You can't even imagine what I've seen. There's arrows. I don't know. But no, but people don't buy the right size because you don't know. You go to the hardware store and you think, 
I didn't realize there's like 17 million different sizes. Well, you look before you leave, right? I take pictures on my phone yeah. and I keep it cataloged kind of on my 16 phone. 16 by 25 by 1. There I don't have go. to write that shit down. You are want. a rock star, right? Rachel. <laughs> well, I've seen they're crammed in there. They're at funky angles. They've been trimmed and cut. I mean, I've seen all kinds of stuff. And then people just give up. They're like, whatever, I'll just, I'm wow. not going to even put one in there. Wow. So anyways, uh, I digress. Um, having the fireplace service, having mm-hmm. the chimney service, that's a great one too. Um, checking attic ventilation, making sure that that's working, making sure that all the windows, I've got a house right now, every single window is painted shut. I'm the buyer. We wrote in the offer, we're like, eh, I need to make sure all those windows open because they're all painted shut. It's not a big deal, but it is. Yeah. And so then what happens is in the inspection, we don't know if the windows work. Right. You know, so it's like, so then it becomes a bigger problem when all it is is painted shut and the buyer starts to freak out. What you're trying to do during the inspection process is help your buyer feel confident in their purchase. That's your gem for this show, okay? Help your buyer feel confident in their purchase. So don't create more questions than you need to because the windows won't open is something more, you know, is there something bigger wrong with them? You know, just deal with it up front. So there's that list. But I think the list that's really, really helpful then is, I have to find it here. Um, What are the things that you can, you know, not the long-term prep things that you're going to take a month or so to kind of get ready and trimming the trees. But what are the things like the day of, you know, a couple days before inspection Mm. to get ready? Um, And here's gem number two. So gem number one is that your job with inspections is to help the buyer feel confident in their purchase. Gem number two is that your job is to help make the home inspector's job easier. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about manipulating here. We're just saying that a happy inspector mm-hmm. is just going to create a more relaxed environment for everyone, which is going to help the buyer feel more confident. And around here, I'd say 90% of the time, unless the buyer's out of town, the buyer is there at inspection. Yeah. They're having that conversation with the home inspector while the home inspector is finding things. And you, seller, are not there. Mm-mm. Okay, because that's really important, too. They don't need you standing over the shoulder going, but no, I fixed that. Or no, someone told me that that was, give them their space. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to help build their confidence. So number one, be gone. So the home inspector is free to do the inspection, especially do it in the order that they like to do it in. Don't break up their routine, right. um, you know, because they have to avoid that room because someone's still asleep in that room or whatever. Remove pets whenever possible um, so that they can get into every room, get into the garage, that kind of thing. Be up and out of the house about an hour before the inspection is supposed to start. Yeah. Just give them space. Make sure, number two, here's another tip. Make sure all the attic accesses are easily accessible. Word access too many times in a sentence, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they're in a closet. There's nothing worse than I've seen this before. I think I've actually pulled out a vacuum cleaner before when you have to open an attic access in a closet. Oh lord! And it hasn't been opened forever, and there's been blown in insulation. And they pop it open, and all this insulation comes uh-uh. raining down, and it's on all the clothes. Oh. And it's like that's not what a home inspector wants to be no. doing. So make sure that all those accesses are uh, accessible. Don't annoy the home inspector. Yeah. Likewise, with the crawl space access, if it's in a weird location, I had one uh, earlier this year. I didn't think it was weird. I thought it was pretty obvious, but I guess I was wrong. It was actually inside in a closet. And I thought it could be found, but it couldn't. And I was a little disappointed because the home inspector, I thought, well, maybe they could have called me during the inspection and said, we can't find the crawl space access. But instead, they wrote up an inspection report that said, there's no access to the crawl space. Oh, no, no. And freaked the the buyer out. And we lost the deal. Shit. Yeah. 
Shit. Exactly. So um, we made sure that on the next one, we actually opened it and like opened the closet door. Arrows. Yeah, we had some neon lights <laughs> uh-huh, and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, we made it really, really obvious on that. So if it's a little funky or like I've seen another house that has two different crawl space accesses and they're in different parts of the house. So if you got something funky like that, help them out. Make a note or something. Um you know, if you need to move some furniture to mm-hmm. get to something, do that. Don't make the inspector move furniture. That's no. really helpful. Here's a really easy one I thought was brilliant because I see this all the time. Check all your light fixtures for burned out light bulbs, yep. especially outside. Because what happens is the home inspectors spend a ton of time trying to figure out, is it the light bulb or is it an electrical issue? Right. Or they're trying to unscrew light bulbs from other ones to put that... Make it easy on them. Yeah. Make their job easier. So just make sure that there's light bulbs and everything. Um, do you have a septic system? If so, leave a note or a map where it is so they're not wandering around outside trying to find it. That's mm-hmm. super helpful. Um, leave the, oh, I've had this one before, the washer, the dryer, the dishwasher, the oven empty because the inspector's going to test all those things. Do you want to put a casserole in the oven before you no. head out? Oh, and don't cook cabbage in yeah, your crock pot. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. put a cabbage in a crock pot. Yeah. Welcome them home. Some inspe- I had an inspector that, I don't think it was the inspector, the inspector blamed the buyers. It was a whole big thing. I can tell you the story sometime, but because I kind of went back to the inspector, I was like, what the heck? They had turned on the washing machine. But, and the, the seller was out of town, but there had been clothes in the washer. So that's the seller's fault. But they turned the washing machine on, filled it with water, and then just let it sit oh. for days. Oh. And it like, you know. That smelled like shit. A little stanky, home. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the home inspector, and I was like, what the heck? Dude. And then he blamed it on the buyers. Uh, Whatever. We're all adults here, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so leave those things empty so that they can test, um, and th- that will help them out. Um, here's a good one. Notify the home inspector if um, the smoke detectors are wired to a security system. Mm. I say this from experience. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the first transactions I ever did, and I uh, showed up at the home inspection to see how things were going, just as he was testing the smoke detectors. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the alarms start going off. The phone starts ringing. Oh. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I should answer that <laughs> phone because I don't live here. Uh-huh. And then, like, stops ringing. And then it starts ringing again. And I think eventually I did answer it because I just said, like, my gut was like, something's up. Something's going on. And it was the seller. And she's like, the alarm company is calling uh, me at work. I'm in a meeting right. because the smoke detectors are going off. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, and she's real nice about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So then um, I hung up the phone and I was like, "Well, I'm just going to go outside and wait for the fire trucks because you knew they were coming. <laughs> just wave them in. Yeah, wave coming them in. they were. Yeah. So you know they're kind of carrying on with the inspection while all the alarms are going off. Oh my! And here come the sirens from the fire trucks down the street. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my That's just so unnecessary. So, um, yeah, if your smoke detectors are hardwired Uh into an alarm system, let us know that. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, We talked about the furnace filters being properly fit. Please do that. It's not that hard. Uh, If something is broken and you know it, Mm -hmm. just leave a note that Mm -hmm. says, yes, we know it's broken, and here's how we're going to repair it. Again, you're giving the buyer confidence um, that, you know, we're going to take care of that. We want to make sure that you're in a good situation. Um, during, uh, once uh, you've negotiated inspections, and I know we've talked about that, I think, in other shows, uh, you want to keep the receipts. The buyer may choose to personally reinspect or send the home inspector back out. That's kind of their choice. Um, it doesn't mean they don't trust you. I'm surprised at the number of sellers who kind of push back. I'm like, what? Why do they want to come back? I did the work. Mm, okay. Well, well, you know what? 
they're spending $300,000. We can let them take a Put look. Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make sure that, you know, they just want to make sure it's in good condition. Along the lines with that is prepping for the appraisal. It's very, very similar Appraisal inspection are different. I know people kind of confuse us a lot, um, but it's very, very similar. You are not going to increase the value of your home by 20% uh, by faking it with an appraiser. You're just not going to you know, magically be able to do that, but you certainly want to create the best impression. And so kind of similar to the make the inspector's job easy, sure. you want to sort of make the appraiser's visit a pleasant one. Okay? So you want to have the utilities on. You want to, I, I thought this was a great suggestion, have the AC on really cold if it's hot outside. Because you know that appraiser's walking around outside. Uh-huh. Make them comfortable. You know, uh-huh. if it's cold outside, have the heat on so that they're comfortable in there. Have all the spaces accessible. Some appraisals are going to need to do what's called a head and shoulders in the crawl space in the attic. So the rules for crawl space access and attic access are the same. You want to have a little bit of, you know, you want them to be able to easily access that. You can have a list of improvements and updates available for them. Just set it on the kitchen counter or something. Mm -hmm. They may or may not take it, but my philosophy with appraisers is why not? Yeah. What the heck? Um, Just remember that things like I had a client once, uh, this was for a listing appointment, presented me with a list of the things, improvements that they had made to the house. And they're like, painted the bedroom. I'm like, doesn't count. No. Painted the shed. I'm like, that's maintenance. Yeah. So just think about, I mean, we're talking upgrades, kitchens, you know, new cabinets, things like that, that make your house maybe stand out from other houses on the block that they would be comparing mm-hmm. it with. But not like, you know, hey, oh, I, we installed all LED lights. Like mm-hmm. light bulbs? Yeah. Yeah. They've pretty much forced you to do that. Yeah. Um, so you don't get credit for that on the appraisal. You get credit for that on the inspection, but not on the appraisal. Um, and remember that depending on the type of loan that the buyer is getting, the appraiser can note some condition issues. So um, if there's peeling paint or ceiling stains indicating a potential roof leak or something like that, the appraiser is going to note those things as well. I think I told this story before um, that appraisals are a little bit of an art they're not a black and white, and you've got three different appraisers. You're going to get three different, very, very different values. I would assume. The appraiser has that purchase agreement in front of them. They know the number they're trying to hit. Mm. Um, I, I've told the story before about the appraisal, I, a listing I had. He had it appraised a few weeks before we put it on the market at $289,000. It was for a refinance. He was pulling some money out to buy some land. And um, and then we listed it at three twenty five, and he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yep. Because that's market value. Yeah. And we had two offers, you know, on the first day for list price. And it appraised for three twenty five. Right. So, you know, and that was all within the span of maybe six weeks. Wow. So it's a function of the appraiser. It's a function of what's recently sold. Something could have sold two weeks later, you know, from the first appraisal and completely changed the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not a lot you can do to kind of manipulate. Um, it's a little bit out of your control, but you can certainly make the appraiser's visit a pleasant one. I know that sounds Absolutely. silly, but it really is kind of true. So, um, okay, we are going to go for our last break. Gosh. I know, it's flying by. Oh, today. my goodness gracious. I'm always worried about not having enough uh, information. All right, so we're going to head out to our last break and uh, be back and finish up and talk about title work. Super exciting. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today with Deb Tomorrow. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. 
Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, here we are in our final segment, which is known as the speed talking segment, where I'm trying to squeeze everything in that I wanted to say that I was talking too slow in the beginning or talking about shiplap. Exactly. Whatever. So before we finish up on, uh, oh, crap, I have an accepted offer. What do I do now from the seller side? That's the longest title ever, (laughs) isn't it? Um, I did want to share uh, something that I'm sponsoring that's coming up. So this is more for local people. Um, but there's a local event. It's celebrating its 10 years this year. It's called Dancing with the Celebrities. So it's takeoff of Dancing with the Stars. And it's super fun. I actually got to participate in the event about five years ago. I was one of the quote unquote celebrities, even though, yes, we know we're not celebrities. But we were paired with uh, professional dancers and we learned three dances and perform them in front of a crowd. And along the way during the whole process while we are training and learning, We are collecting votes by way of dollars for a local charity. My charity was Girls, Inc. Um, And the winner who collects the highest number of votes, meaning dollars, wins a silver ball trophy. I did not win that. Mm. But I did win the Judge's Choice trophy, which I'm very proud of for numerous reasons. And it does sit on my kitchen windowsill so I can stare at it every morning and tell myself that I am beautiful and graceful and all that crap. Bask in the glory of of being a winner. Yep. So this year I'm sponsoring a dancer. So that's kind of fun. Um, Stone Belt, which is a local organization that helps people with disabilities. um, And they are having uh, Richie Gillespie, um, who's from Andrew Davis Clothiers down there in Fountain Square um, is their celebrity dancer this year. Um, And so I just wanted to give a shout out to them. The event is actually taking place Saturday night, September 24th. So if anybody's interested in tickets, they can contact me and I can hook them up with that. Or if anybody wants to make um, a vote 
and uh, give a, a donation uh, in honor of my sponsorship and in honor of the dancer. That would be awesome, too, and we'll have links up on Facebook. So cool event, um, lots and lots of hard work, I know, from personal experience. So I wanted to support that and, and share that. It's, it's a really neat thing. All right. So what happens when you've gone through the inspection, you've gone through the appraisal, then you're just sitting around waiting for the lender? And if Karen was here, she could tell us what exactly they do, because I'm not really sure it involves these mysterious people uh, called underwriters that I've never met. And I honestly don't believe exist, because I've never met an underwriter. Have like you ever else? met an underwriter? I don't know what, no, I no. haven't. Wait, no. we hear about them, but I don't know, I don't think they exist. But anyways, yeah, at the same time, there is this thing called title work going on. So, again, nothing really that the seller needs to do. A lot of that's happening behind the scenes where at some point the realtor or the lender orders the title work. They go to the title company and they say, here's a copy of the contract. Let's go ahead and start title work on it. And they're going to be searching not just the property to make sure that it's free and clear and that some plumber that you did work for and didn't pay or whatever, you know, attached a lien on the house. But they're also searching you. Did you know that? I did not They know are that. searching you and they search you as both the buyer and the seller. Okay. So when you're the buyer, you're getting searched too. And make making sure that you don't have any judgments against you that need to be satisfied before you're allowed to sell the house. So like, did you forget to pay the chiropractor? Maybe Rachel says, <laughs> she goes, don't make me answer that. Don't make me answer that. Uh, I paid that off. Exactly. But if you didn't pay the uh, uh, chiropractor, the chiropractor can get a judgment against you. Uh, and the title company is not going to provide clear title to the house, meaning that that title can be transferred to a new owner until that judgment is paid. Now it can be paid at closing from your proceeds if you right. don't have the money, but we run into this all and the time. I assume they have to see proof that it has been paid. Yeah. Right. So you either have to provide a receipt or you have to allow the title company to pay it. And that's their proof that we know it ah. was paid. Um, so you don't typically need to do anything in this step while they're doing that title search. But they may come to you and say, like I had one recently, there was a divorce many years ago. But something came up that the title company needed proof that a part of the settlement had been paid. Hmm. Kind of crazy. Whatever mm-hmm. you need to sell a house, just get them what they need. Sure. Sort of my philosophy on that. Um, at the same time, too, the title company is going to have you complete a form. Um, this is one thing, and I don't think I ever thought about this either, but how does your mortgage get paid off when it's you sell a, a house? Yeah, magic. Do they give you a check and then you... No. No, no. Because the title company, their job is to ensure clear title. Um, and so in order to do that, they have to make sure that the mortgage gets paid off. Sure. So they are the ones who physically do it. All the money channels through them. But in order for them to be authorized to pay your mortgage off on your behalf, you have to fill out a form and give them your mortgage company name and your mortgage number and sometimes your social security number and then they will um, order a mortgage payoff. One thing I want to note for sellers, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's just a little warning, is that um, a lot of times I'll have sellers come to me and say, oh, yeah, I know what my mortgage payoff is. It says it's this online or on my monthly statement. Not always true. No. Um, There can be, especially if you have an FHA loan, Mm -hmm. there's some funky things that they add in. So it's important that you call the company or the mortgage company will call the company uh, and get that exact number for you. So the title company is doing all that in the background. Um, and then waiting to prepare documents and about a few days, three days before closing, you'll get a copy usually through your realtor of your final statement that shows all your costs and debits and credits and all that stuff. And someone should sit down with you and go over that, um, to understand that. I want to touch on this again, um, before the, we talked about the final walkthrough. Um, we talked about after inspections, they might want to come back and check things. And again, same thing with they may send the home inspector out to do another inspection 
or to ins- re-inspect the things that they had fixed. Right. That's fair. Um, they may want to just go and do a walkthrough themselves. And I, I get this all the time. You know, why do they want to walk through? All right, just They're let them buy do it. the damn just house. Let them do it, right? <laughs> um, and again, an excited buyer is a happy buyer. So, you know, just let them do it. If something has broken during this time period, I get this a lot too. Oh, something just went out. You need to fix it. You can't hide it. You can't fake Uh it. Um, I had an instance once, this was years ago. um, It wasn't something that broke from in that time period between when they made the offer and when we closed. But when they moved out, there was a huge burn on the kitchen counter underneath where the coffee maker was. Oh, shit. And we never thought to move the coffee maker. I mean, who moves people's appliances, right? Uh, And so we did the final walkthrough, like, on our way to closing. And it was like, oh, so disappointing. Yeah. No more happy buyer. No more happy buyer. No more confident buyer. Why would they do that? They said... So, of course, I am on the phone with the listing yeah. agent as we're driving to the title company, like, oh, we have a little bit of an issue. Uh, and he was great. Um, and he swore up and down that they had forgotten about it, that they had just, they hadn't done it intentionally. Right. Just kind of whatever. At this point, it's your realtor's job to help you keep perspective. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, um, you know, it's never killed anyone. Right. Burn on the counter sucks. You know, but, hey, right. put a coffee pot on top of it. But they fixed it. I mean, right. they gave us a, they had a contractor come out. Oh, that's And nice. was able to, you know, put a new piece of countertop on and do all that. So, the, you a, know, they did the right thing for sure. That's a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. And I think most of the time, the sellers want that. Yeah. You know, most people have fond memories of their house and they want to turn it over to someone who's excited about mm-hmm. it and feels mm-hmm. good about it uh, and doesn't have issues with it. So, um, so let them do that final walkthrough, you know, but if, remember, I mean, if something has broken, I had another one, gosh, just this week <coughs> where um, a, a water line broke like Ooh. outside. Yeah. They got like a notice from the water company that, Hey, your water bill is for, you know, 250 million gallons right. or something crazy <laughs> What's like going that. On? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And luckily, you know, no flooding in the house, but there's a lot water line broken outside. So yes. they needed to, to deal with that, even though they hadn't accepted offer in the house. And so they did. So you still need to, you know, keep an eye on the house, mm-hmm. maintain the house, do all that good stuff. Um, the goal is that the buyer's expectation, which is a fair expectation is that the home is in the same or better condition than when they first walked through it. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of your obligation as a seller. So uh, let's see. Here's the main checkpoint. Just a quick review. Well, before I say that, more than anything, this is gem number three, right? More mm-hmm. than anything, be prepared for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Rachel would say, shit happens. Shit happens. Uh, delays happen. They don't usually kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep calm. Uh, keep things in perspective. Your main checkpoints are going to be, did you get that earnest money? Did you get through the inspection? Did you get through the appraisal? Has the title work been ordered? Uh, has a loan been approved? We didn't really talk about that, but, you know, that's something that the buyers are working on. Right. Um, that they should notify your realtor that the loan's been approved. So, um, and pack. Pack. Find a place to live. Where are you living? Get the heck out. Mm-hmm. I could tell you stories about sellers who haven't <laughs> gotten out of the house. My first house that I ever bought, sellers did not get out. What? Yeah. So I'm a little extra sensitive to it when yeah. I talk about it with my clients because it was like I signed all the closing paperwork and then my realtor pulled me aside and said, mm, nope, they're not out. Sorry. Not we'll cool. have to talk about that more next week as I wrap up. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be great, uh, great information and tips on Facebook. So be sure to check me out over there. This was Real Real Estate Today. I'm Deb tomorrow. Talk to you next week. 
thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.